0: continue we're still in the prologue of john and we'll be in john uh, chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 john chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 and actually as we ramp into this i'm going to begin by reading at verse 1 and we're going to read down through 11 because really all this is building so it's good for us to keep it in our memory He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. There was a show on TV, I don't know if it's still on TV, but it was on TV for a while called Undercover Boss. Uh, The gist, if you've seen this show, if you haven't, I'll give you a quick rundown of it. Uh, it It was a show where the boss of some sort of company would get dressed up, he would go undercover, and he would go be trained as a new employee by several of his employers. They wouldn't know that he was the boss of this company And he would go see how was the company being run firsthand. They didn't recognize him. They thought it was a new employee. They didn't know that he was the most important person in his company. And the show usually ended on some happy note as he gave these employees that he uh, met with some trip or, I don't know, some great thing that made everybody feel happy. In our text today, we continue to see this one sent by God. It was God's own son. He sent him to the world to be the savior of the world. In the same sense as this show, but in a much greater sense. uh, Jesus is the boss of the company who comes into the world. God sent his son to be the savior, to send light into the world. But his people didn't recognize him the the big difference between this show well one of the differences not the big difference one of the difference between the show and the and and the bible here is that jesus didn't come in disguise jesus came with all the trappings of messiah in fact if not long ago well several years ago maybe now uh, we went through the gospel of matthew and what did we see over and over again in the gospel of matthew so that scriptures could be fulfilled so that scriptures would be fulfilled again and again and again jesus fulfills scripture he has all the markings all the trappings all the credentials that say i am messiah but even still the world didn't recognize him they didn't know him for who he was Even though he came to give them the most precious gift, they rejected him. The Son of God came to this world out of his great love for it. And the world responds by rejecting, by scorning, by putting him to death on a cross. Jesus came as a light to every man. But they did not know him. Even those, his people, who should have known him most, did not receive him. And this is what we'll see in our text today. We're going to see three points. Light for all, light unknown, and light rejected. Light for all, light unknown, and light rejected. First, we begin by looking at light for all. Uh, Jesus comes into this world with a purpose. And what was the purpose of Jesus' coming? He comes to show his light, the light of God, to the world. To enlighten this world. The true light, as John says in verse 9, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. To enlighten is to give knowledge. Jesus comes to give knowledge... Of God. So, what does this mean in, in our context here? The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. There are some who will look at this text and say, "Well, that means that everyone who is in the world is enlightened because Jesus came to enlighten every to the to the world." The problem with this line of thinking, as as some will say, uh, is this. That even after he says the true light comes to enlighten everyone. He also says the world did not know him. He was in the world. But the world did not know him. As Jesus comes to enlighten we have to understand this. There is an outward enlightening that goes to all people. He comes and illuminates the world. But what is the world that is being talked about here? Uh, We've talked about several theme words in the Gospel of John. We encounter another one. Uh, Some of the theme words that you've noticed, even as I read this this morning, word, the word, life, light, darkness, and witness. World is another theme word that is used again and again in the Gospel of John. In fact, it's used over 80 times. World. In the Gospel of John. Uh, The the hard part of this word is understanding how it's being used. When we think of the word world, how do we most often define it? You go, well, we we think about it as a globe, right? The world. I am looking at the world. This is the world right here. Uh, So that's one broad definition. It's the world, this spherical thing called earth, and everything that's in it. Uh, But we also can mean the world by simply meaning the people in the world. Sometimes we use world in the Bible, and it means the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? It's talking about wicked world. And so we have to be careful when we encounter this world, uh, this word world and understand how it is being used. Uh, it also, thankfully as I look down at my notes, it's also used in contrast to the Jewish nation. You have the Gentile world, so you have Jews in contra- contrast to the world so how is it being used here well we already saw that the world here uh, is not uh, i think it's being used in multiple ways first it says the true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world that means that he was coming into this place that is called the world but he was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him and so we can With some good inference here, we can understand. He comes into the world. He made the world. Those are globe, the spherical thing that is called the earth, and everything in it. But the world, the people who who are in the world, did not know him. He comes to enlighten all. He didn't simply come for the educated or the uneducated. He didn't come for the rich or the poor He didn't come for one race or another race or this or that, whatever it may be. He came for everyone. But they did not know him. They did not know him. Jesus came to shine the light of God. It's this wonderful thing we're talking about here, the incarnation. We talked about how the Gospel of John begins differently than the other Gospels, and yet it is still proclaiming the same thing. While it may not begin with a birth narrative, it is talking about the birth of Jesus, the light that came into the world, God who became flesh, God who became man, who came as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He came for us. He came and showed the light of God. A a light, by the way, that is available for all to see. Even today, uh, the light is available for all to see, isn't it? If you pick up the word of God and you read it, you will be exposed to the light of God. Hopefully, we are exposing the light of God to those around us. But that does not mean that everyone embraces that light. Do you believe in this one? That Jesus has come to bring you light and the life of God. That as creator of all things, he comes on his terms. Not coming simply for the educated, the uneducated, the rich, the poor, but for everyone. In Christ's incarnation, we see the wonderful fulfillment of the promises of God. But then, sadly, we see that as that light came, that light was unknown. He was in the world, this world that was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He is a light that is unknown. In two verses, we have the greatest event in the history of the world, and, and maybe the greatest tragedy. That Jesus, the Son of God, became man, and that ignorant, pigheaded world did not know him for who he was. He was the one, as it says here, through which all things were made. Every tree, every branch, every stone, every fish, every bird, everything on the entire planet was made through him. It is his world. And yet the people who were also made through him do not know him. And as we've seen here, world here is being used to describe the wicked world or the unbelieving world. John is distinguishing between the world and the people saved out of the world. They don't know him because they don't recognize him for who he is. But they don't recognize him for for who he is because they don't want to recognize him. Man is spiritually dead. Morally, they are are dead in their sins. And they didn't want him. So in John 3.19, he can say this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Because they were spiritually dead. Because their works were evil. They could not recognize the true light. They were morally and spiritually reprehensible. And they did not want Jesus. Nothing is more revealing about this world than how it responds to the coming of Christ. If you recognize from the Bible at least something of his deity and witness, yet choose a life of unbelief, refusing to trust and follow in him, Nothing could condemn you more in the sight of God than that. It's interesting today, people have grown very content with being loosely deistic. Uh, I believe in some sort of God. I believe whatever God is good for you is good for you. Whatever God is good for me is good for me. I'm willing and and okay with shaping God to my image. And what's the problem with this? We're taking the true light, and we are ridding it from us, so that whatever meager light we we think we shine is not overpowered by Him. Oh, and by the way, we don't shine at all apart from him and John as, as he's talking again about the world says in, eight, in John eight twenty four, I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins in essence Jesus says if you will not recognize me for who I am then you then I will not know you even though he came for this world this world did not know him It's a great and sad event that Jesus, the son of God, is rejected by the world he both created and that he came to save. He came to the world, but it did not know him. This world, which was far too in love with its own pleasures, shut its eyes to the reality and truth of the gospel. And shutting its eyes, it didn't want to recognize God for who he is. It didn't want to be held accountable by this Messiah. It didn't want to lose its power, its permission to do whatever it pleased. But there's something even more severe than this here. Because it first talks about a general sense. The world did not know him. Uh, Those who were not his people did not know him. And we can be tempted, I think, to to sit there and be content, right? Well, of course the world doesn't know him. Oh, that silly, um, shameful world. But he goes on. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. Of course, who were the people of God at this point? The Jewish nation. The Jewish nation who had the word of God. They had all the Old Testament. They had everything that was pointing to Messiah. This is who's coming. Here is what it will look like when he comes. The lame will walk. The blind will see. He will do mighty works. He'll be born of a virgin. He'll come from Bethlehem. He'll be a Nazarene. He'll be called out of Egypt again and again and again. We see Jesus fulfilling these things. The nation of Israel had been preparing for Messiah. Even still they rejected him. The rejection of Christ goes beyond ignorance and points to an amazing ingratitude. I think a great picture of this, and I'm going to turn, you don't have to turn with me, but it's found in Matthew 21. It's one of the parables of Jesus. I think that Matthew 21 and our text today really match up well. Matthew 21, starting in verse 33, it's the parable of the tenants, This is Jesus. Here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. You have here a master who created and shaped and formed something. And then in it he put tenants. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? Jesus, of course, here is talking of himself. He is the son who is coming to the world, but the world looks at him and says, I want his glory. I want his inheritance for myself. They don't want to trust and worship Messiah. They want to be Messiah. They want to be worshiped. The unbeliever loves the darkness because it makes him seem so much better by comparison. I wonder if at times we're not guilty of making ourselves feel better by comparison. At least I'm not like fill in the blank. At least I'm not like this. Jesus came to expose the dimness of everything else around him. He shows that even religious people need a savior. Because the people, the religious people of today, the, the people who are caretakers of the Word of God, they did not know him. They did not receive him, is actually what it says. His own people did not receive him. We don't have to go... We might be tempted at that point to say, well, that's an Old Testament, New Testament thing, right? But then we look at his disciples. (laughs) And what does his disciples have a a daily habit, it seemed like, or a a habitual habit of doing? Hey, Jesus, why are you letting that, that woman pour that expensive oil on your feet? That could have been used somewhere else. Or Peter, the many examples of Peter and his rejections. I think it's easy for us to try to separate ourselves from the temptations of the, the church in history. But the question is here for us as well do we wholeheartedly receive Christ gratefully and publicly, or are we too entrenched in the world? we have to be examining our hearts and our lives that we don't fall into this greatest of tragedies that having his light shined on us that he becomes unknown unrecognized or unwanted because the true light has come into the world and he was rejected and he's being rejected still But the wonderful truth of the gospel is that his light does not go out. His light is not diminished. And we, if we are in Christ, if he is our savior, then we are to let that light shine, risking our comfort, risking our reputation, risking even our lives. Despite every kind of opposition, Despite spiritual darkness and moral evil, despite ingratitude and pride, we are to shine the light of God. That the world may know him. And the world may not know him now, but he is making himself known. We are to walk in that light. When people look at us, do they see the light of Christ? And that becomes a very important question for us. What do people see in us? And I don't ask this question to say, hey, you better be doing better so that people see the light of Christ. That's not the issue. It's not an issue of simply do better, is it? And we can be tempted in a situation like this to hear a sermon that simply says, hey, do better. Do better. Do better. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if the light of Christ dwells in you, then it must by necessity shine forth. And if it is not shining, we have to examine ourselves. We cannot be so presumptuous That this verse is simply talking about the world or simply talking about the Jews. We must be careful that like them we do not do the same. We have the seen the evidence of his goodness and truth and we are to respond accordingly. Not by a gospel of works, not, not by a gospel of easy believism. Let us not be those who seek to define God by our own standards. Let us not define his light. But let us come humbly, trusting on the Messiah, the light who came into the world, the light who reveals to us the wonderful and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what John was talking about. This is what is so important to him. I want to remind you again how John ends the gospel. And we've looked at this several times now. John 21, 24. This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things, who has written these things, and we may know his testimony, that we may know his testimony is true. John was so concerned that we would know that this testimony was true. Everything that he's telling us, he wants us to know that it's true. That know that Jesus is the light that has come into the world. That he reveals to us the light of God. That he has brought to us a gospel of restoration. And that we would not be a people who do not know him. Who refuse to see the light that he brought. That cling to darkness in the face of the light. But that we would see that light. That we would turn to Jesus as our hope of salvation. This is the message of the good news of the gospel. You'll remember when we began the gospel of John, I said something to you. I said, this morning we're going to talk about the gospel. Oh, and by the way, as we go through John, you're going to hear about the gospel again and again and again and again and again. Again, we see the gospel, and the gospel is never mundane. The gospel is never out of place. The gospel is what we need over and over and over and over and over again. We must turn to Jesus because he is the hope of our salvation. We must turn from this world, from his wickedness, from his darkness. We must turn to the light and let the light chase away all of the darkness. Do you believe this? Is this the hope that you have today? Then shine. Shine the light of the gospel. If you don't know this gospel today, then see Jesus. We're about to come to this table. And this table shows us Jesus... And the light he came to shine. That Jesus came and he brought reconciliation. He brought to us through his own body and his own blood. The satisfaction of God's wrath upon our sins. This is what this table speaks to. It is a great hope. So as we come as we transition from the sermon to the sacrament, let us remember Jesus, who was the word, or who is the word, who is the word through which all things were made, who comes and brings light and life to all who believe. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, As we come to this table, as we see the love of Christ on display, oh, would we see the joy? Would we see the truth? Would we see Jesus? We ask and pray in his holy name. Amen. If you would